an inner view with the Rian Gallagher. Beautiful. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, all right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is when you're listening to this. Hope one of them matches up. In logical theory, one of them should do. Uh, thank you once again for tuning in to the interview podcast, or the an interview podcast. How does that work in a sentence? The an interview. Mm, anyway, just thanks for tuning in, um, and I'll work on my English for next time. Um, this episode is episode, and I haven't checked, mm, 17, maybe. I think it's 17, 18. One well, um, and it's with a a lovely lady who I went to we met in school. Um, she's called Mariana, and yeah, she's just lived a very interesting life. She's a very interesting person, uh, as you will get to hear in this um in this podcast coming up. I mean, yeah, she's had to come through some stuff. Um, and yeah, she's just such a, such a kind of, such a doer and a big inspiration. Um, yeah, it's an amazing story. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's a fantastic, uh, podcast. So I really hope you, I, yeah, I really hope you enjoy it. Um, I had a lot of fun recording it with her. Um, and that was beautiful and lovely. Um, I've also just finished reading, uh, a book called Chasing the Scream, which is a really interesting piece by uh, a dude called Johan Hardy, um, who basically takes on this kind of goes on this kind of journey around um, around drugs and the the kind of war on drugs and how that affects um, communities and people and, and 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 causes addiction and there's all this it's, it's it's just a really interesting piece and it gives you a different view on and sheds a different light on the criminalization that we have currently have at the moment and, and what kind of destruction and um badness it's causing so yeah if you if you're stuck for a read i would uh highly recommend popping that in your in your brain it's uh yeah it's a great great book very easy to read too and if you haven't i'm i'm, I'm pretty late on the uptake on things but uh a mate of mine told me to get onto a program called famalam and uh if you fancy if you're feeling a bit down feeling a bit you know bit of a crap day just pop that on and uh it'll brighten your spirits it is absolutely hilarious so uh yeah and i hope things are going okay for you with you again in this you know further lockdown period but yeah it's getting a bit boring now isn't it uh spring to come hopefully um hope you're doing well uh be kind to yourself and to others and enjoy the podcast Oh, the song. The song is a little trip down nostalgia lane, um, and it's called "I Still Remember" by Block Party. Enjoy. 
I did send a tentative text around mm. the 28th being like, good luck. And then there was a thanks, dear, which in my mind meant, okay, hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, um, I think like people were like, were like, obviously like, so now, is it yeah. now? Is yeah, it due now? Yeah. And what about now? And from what I was just like, just, just stop. Just yeah. Yeah, that's why I didn't. <laughs> it will come. It will come when it comes. Yeah. Right. But no, yeah, I think, yeah, a little, little bubba. Well, big bubba apparently. Like, I'm not sure about baby things, but it was big. Okay. What's that average for a baby? I'm not the person to be asking. Seven, does seven pounds sound average? Oh, I don't know. It, this was like 10 or nine or something. Oh, I know that's big. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Give it a message. So we've got the first hamster baby. The f- it, literally, the first hamster baby. Wow. It's cute, isn't it? Yeah. It's so cute. <laughs> so cute. It's very sweet. Oh. Speaking of hamster. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm spitting on my phone too. That's how we met, innit? That's we we went we went to school together, didn't we? We did. We did. Yeah. How was your how was your hamster experience overall? What would you what did it what did it create or did it like engulf for you? Ooh, good question. Mm. <clears throat> so I think I feel very lucky that I went to Hampstead. It was definitely what a lot of people at the time said was a shit school. And it was kind of like one of those shit state schools. But we didn't have school uniform, Mm. which to me was amazing. And I completely get the arguments around, you know, the need for school uniform in terms of like, you know, not everyone can afford to have different clothes and so on. And it can reduce things around bullying. But I think also maybe specifically in our year, we were really lucky because it didn't feel like we had that vibe. Mm. I'm pretty sure a lot of our friends wore exactly the same T-shirt for about five years. (laughs) And that is not a joke. Never washed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, no one really cared. Mm. Um, But there's something, how to encapsulate that vibe. We were very very lucky with our year. We were were. extremely lucky. We were very lucky with our year. Um, I don't know, there was something about the teachers as well that were just... 
everything was so chaotic, but they weren't. I feel like that they really encouraged you mm. in a way that was real. Do you know what I mean? Like they were they were real with us. Like they weren't they were like, Yeah, I'm going down the pub and why didn't you do your homework? I'm stressed and tired and it took me an hour and a half to commute home, my baby's screaming, and I don't care about your shitty excuses about the cat that ate the homework. You know? Like <laughs> Um And 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 you know that I think that I think that element of realness just you know you know because because then because then there's no there's no veneer of a show there is no show yeah it's no just, it's just this sorry look i'm stressed man this is how it is i'm i'm gonna chuck your work out the window because you're annoying me and that, <laughs> yeah. that happened but you know what i mean yeah so, definitely yeah it's just honesty and open and frank and yeah yeah i think i think i think you're right actually i've, I've thought about that before but that definitely would yeah and i definitely felt like you could tell that they were humans in all of their complexity and they showed up as that in their interactions with you and that's something that I really noticed and appreciated. Um, yeah. yeah, and to the extent that, you know, I remember I think once people got to kind of sixth form age, you know, they'd see a teacher down at the pub and they'd go over and be like, oh, hey, sir. And they'd be like, oh, come sit with us. So like, I don't think you get that often in a school. No. And it felt like they knew about the chaotic complexity of people's lives and it just felt a bit more seen mm. in that sense. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, that's kind of what I remember and just having, like the not having the uniform and just having the freedom to be messy and stupid and we were allowed out at lunch times. And, you know, I remember being in double DT with Jack and being like, oh, we're really bored, shall we sneak out? <laughs> and watching I can't remember who our DT teacher was but he was quite you know strict and grumpy Sutcliffe maybe Sutcliffe? Yeah. Big dude. yeah 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 I remember him yeah. Yeah, yeah and then Jack sneaking out and then me being like oh right I've got to do it and you know the next day he would be cross with us but at the same time he was just like oh just kids being kids you know yeah, right, right. <laughs> it, yeah I think I think I think that I think that freedom to express yourself I think that yeah. is something that that is that is prevalent or that was prevalent um when we went and yeah I, I i completely adhere to what you say about the whole you know the fact that m maybe some people couldn't really afford the uniform whatever or you know mm. the um you know their own clothes <clears throat> but there was still beauty and expression in that because you had people who just like wearing tracky bottoms mm -hmm. and like myself i just like wearing tracky bottoms and i, I was comfortable yeah. and, and i think that's the key is, is exactly is being, being comfortable, comfortable in in what you're wearing and you had different different strands you had like emos and you had like little punky people grungies townies you had like chavs you had literally everyone everyone all came into this like but everyone cohort. yeah and everyone overall got on yeah do you yeah. know what i mean like there was like yeah there were kind of different groups but at the end of the day everyone would hang out and everyone would get on even though there was often conflict and tension mm. but it didn't feel divided around kind of yeah like the lines of are you an emo or are you not mm. um and i think yeah that's something that i really took away from that time mm. so there was a lot of acceptance of difference mm. that i found because because you you did you come from quite a strict upbringing or or how how would you how would you describe your your sort of upbringing in the world with regards to like your your family situation and stuff so <clears throat> complex <laughs> um i grew up part of a 
how to describe it. Some would call it a cult, but essentially it was a sect of Christianity that wasn't accepted by Christians. So it was kind of like... Um, so it's called the Family Federation of World Peace Unification, or also kind of slang term is the Moonies. So um, was it the Family Family Federation of World Peace and Unification? No one really refers to it as that. Okay. So it's called <clears throat> more often known as the Moonies, mm-hmm. um, and it was started by Reverend Sung Myung Moon in Korea. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, it's very much a mix of kind of traditional Korean cultural norms. <clears throat> along with kind of Christian values. Um, so, you know, we have like the Bible and we'd go to church. Um, but also there was another book called Divine Principle. Uh-huh. You're, you're so, are you Korean? Yeah. yeah. So South, I'm half Korean. South yeah. Korean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, it kind of started in about the 60s, 70s. So I was the second generation of people born into that religion. And my parents were the first. eh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's quite recent. And it's quite a small, closed community. Like, there's two churches in London. The one I went to was in Harrow area. There's another one in Lancaster Gate, which is like the national headquarters. I think there's some people in South London, but like really far south, like Bromley kind of. Okay. Like not really London. Bit out in it. Yeah. Croydon, yeah. Yeah. Watford. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. How did how did it how did it differ? So, so you got just just say for people. Mm. So, so people like obviously, if you if you want an idea of Christianity, it goes that way. Yeah. How did it kind of veer off into a sect or a a, a, a different? Yeah. I guess basically the premise of it is that Reverend Samuel Moon is the second coming. So he's the second Jesus. So you can imagine that the rest of the... Yes. So you can imagine that the rest of the Christian world are like, "Mm, no, you're not. You're this Korean guy. Why you're not Jesus? And also, I don't don't know how the Christian timelines work. Maybe now's not meant to be the time. I don't know. Whatever it was. Um, So very much there's a rejection from the Catholic Church, the Protestants, a lot of other main churches... And he was seen as quite a radical speaker right. in the same way that a lot of cult leaders often are seen mm. as. So he was actually banned from this country. Oh. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the church paid for lots of court cases to have him brought over. He ended up being based in America. Um, yeah. So in that sense, it was very much that sense of being on the outside whilst being on the outside. Right, right. If that makes sense. Yeah, right. Um yeah, which can yeah, it made it quite hard to explain, and I think also because a lot of the traditions within the church culture was based on Korean traditions as well. So a lot of our prayers were in Korean, for example. Um, the major holidays that we would celebrate were based around Korean cultural traditions. Um, there's like another way that it, I guess, lived on the outside of a lot of Christian culture. Okay. In that sense, yeah. What's 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 a typical kind of um, Korean? I don't know cultural aspect that that like is is yeah engulfed into the. Um... Um, so, for example, <clears throat> there's a lot of emphasis on um, respecting your elders. Okay. That kind of like filial piety. Um, what's that word? 
<clears throat> filial piety. Filial piety. <laughs> What's that? Love of. So like that that kind of like. Um, filial. Sen- essentially, like subordination to the family and your elders. Okay. Yeah. Right. So whatever they say goes. Pretty much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> There's not much space for dissent. In that sense, even if even if you feel there's something quite clearly, yeah, it's like no, nah, that's not right. You haven't got the the grounds to, yeah, and okay. yeah. So there's there's definitely a very strict age based hierarchy in that sense. Um, for yeah, major holidays like New Year, you know, everyone would come to church really early in the traditional Korean hanbok. For example, we would do however many prayers all in Korean. Um, we'd probably do like 40 bows, like full length bows down to the floor, which is a very, um, which is what Koreans do when they're honoring their ancestors. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, mm. there'd, there'd be a massive offering table of literally piles and piles of food again to honor the ancestors. But that's also something that the entire community would then like take part in. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So not everyone in the church was Korean. So a lot of it is based on kind of interracial marriage. Um, so there's a lot of Japanese families, a lot of German families, a lot of mm. mixed families. Um, and that was really normal. Okay. Um, and the way that people got married is essentially in these mass weddings. So I think it was in the Guinness World Book of Records and it was in newspapers at the time in like the seventies and stuff. So I remember my aunt saying, cause she's nine years younger than my dad being like, oh yeah. Opening the newspaper and being like, oh, there's my, that's what my dad, my brother's doing. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so they got married in like, you know, 20,000 people in a massive football stadium in Seoul. Wow. And essentially men would be on one side and women on the other side. And then um, Reverend Sung Min would walk down and just point. So my parents, when they got married, they literally had never met before. Oh, what? Yeah. What? So, so, so you basically marry a stranger. But, uh, so you're in a room, you're in your suit, you're in your wedding dress, you, 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 you. And then, like, you go into a few hours later into a massive mass wedding. Right. Mm. Yeah. And then they spent seven years um, doing missionary work in America. Like, wow, gender, gender segregated. So you'd, you're not really supposed to consummate the marriage in that sense because it's about um, cleansing yourself in order to become pure. Okay. So the premise is that we're all born with original sin. And right. so they had to cleanse themselves to become pure before they can procreate so that the second generation can be born without original sin in order to create the kingdom of heaven on earth. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. there's a lot. There's, so there's a lot there. And yeah, obviously right. you're not allowed to be, um, you know, I grew up not allowed to have boyfriends. I wasn't really meant to have any friends who were boys to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expected to have an arranged marriage. Right. Um, and, uh, Arranged by your parents or by um, the, yeah, the main with, dude? Yeah, within the church. Within so the church, either, okay. either um, you would go to Seoul and the main guy would, you know, match you with whoever. Or wow. as I got a bit older, it kind of shifted to like parents could have conversations. Okay. So, you know, you might end up being married to someone that you'd grown up with because right. your parents would have that conversation. When yeah. When did you <clears throat> start to formulate in your own head that, don't put words into your mouth, but when d- did you start to realize that this maybe wasn't the, I don't know, mm, this wasn't the view, or I don't know, do you, do you think it is the view? I don't know. I, I, I Yeah, what, what do you, I don't think yeah. you do. Or so, I, <clears throat> I left the church when I was 16. I think 
um yeah I think my story in it is quite interesting because I was really into it so I was the first born child um I didn't I grew up in um Queen's Park which is quite far away from church related community so you know we had to travel like an hour to get to church and a lot of people I grew up with all lived in the kind of Harrow, Rainers Lane, Watford kind of area, Uxbridge. Um, so they all went to schools together. They're, you know, they lived 20 minutes away from each other. So it was a lot easier for them to kind of, yeah, create that kind of church community and kind of keep things a bit more insular in terms okay. of like, you know, children not necessarily being influ- as influenced by other views in life. Right. Obviously, a lot of them, you know, went to standard state schools and stuff. But, you know, if you're wandering around Harris Shopping Centre, you're very likely to bump into auntie, blah, blah, blah. So oh, okay. you would not be walking around there with a boy. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you're very aware of. So so, so do you think <clears throat> if you maybe lived in some of these communities, do you think mm. you may have been m- m- more into it or more, more kind of... Well, this is the interesting thing. So I don't know, but I was very into it even though I lived far away from them so I didn't Mm. go to school with anyone that I grew up with at church um but you know I have very distinct memories of being in my primary school at like five six years old and someone saying you know where do you come from and I said oh I you know I'm a child of God I come from Korea which is God's country like you know very like firm in that belief system Mm. um and yeah because yeah I was the first child so I guess You know, my brother wasn't born until I was five. So, you know, I had a lot of... Young kids are quite impressionable, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. And I went to church camp every year for about four years until I was about 10 or 12. I can't quite remember now. Mm. Um, And my parents were still together and they split up when I was nine. So I had both parents very much um, within the church culture. But then by the time my brother and sister were growing up, you know, my dad had left the church and wasn't in it. So... I guess that stronghold wasn't as intense as when I was growing up. Okay. So like, you know, I used to read the Bible before going to sleep. I had my own like prayer practice. I had Mm. my own little altar and I would like of my own accord read the holy text and like the divine principle, which is um, the book that's more specific to that church. Okay. Yeah. Um, When did, when did seeds of doubt start coming in? So when did seeds of doubt start coming in? I think it was a combination of things. So I've always been quite a deep thinker and quite analytical. Mm. Um, Going to Hampstead School, I was with a lot of people who, um, from single parent families, whose parents weren't married necessarily when they had children, even if they're still together. Um, And within the narrative of the church, there was a lot of stuff around like, what's a good family and what's a bad family broken family that kind of thing and like oh you're bad you're you're more likely to be inherently bad if you come from a certain type of family so it's very judgmental in that sense um Jenny's doing all right she <laughs> yeah, i know <laughs> Jenny and Gemma doing all right. <laughs> exactly so yeah and there was a lot around um yeah so a lot of the narrative that uh was pushed at us so we were kind of viewed as true children so the second generation who were like born into the church and so you know in that narrative we're born without original sin we're true children and therefore we're special and we're better than everyone else and we should only marry with other people of similar 
It's quite something to be bestowed on someone, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite intense. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I was just very observational. And actually, I had a lot of friends. I was quite social in secondary school. Mm. And, you know, I really noticed the kindness of people, the generosity of people, the um, the ways that our friendship groups supported each other. Mm. Um, and for me, I just really questioned well, if according to like the church narrative, this means that this person is bad, but my experience of them But they're isn't... actually quite all right. Yeah, they're really great. And actually, am I really better than them? I don't think I am. And mm. so... It... So you're, 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 you're kind of bring yourself down off a peg in it, or, 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 or like yeah. a standpoint to like, actually, I oh know, okay, I am kind of, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And mm. so, yeah, it just made me question a lot of things. Um, and I think also, you know, the church is homophobic as well. So right. they, you know, they view divorce as bad and being gay as bad. Um, and, you know, for me, that was something that it took me a very long time to come to terms with, like, my bisexuality. Mm. Um, much later in my 20s. But I guess the beginning kind of seeds for me questioning, like, the homophobia that existed within the church and also that which I'd also internalized was around, you know, I had gay friends at school who I was who I really I was really good friends with. Um and I also found out that my aunt was also gay as well. Okay. And yeah, it, it just for me it just like on a very simple basic level was like they're not wrong and they're not bad people and mm you know so like therefore there must be something wrong with this other thing that's saying that they're bad because they're not bad that that must have been a really uh well, i don't know is it was it was it hard or was it you know to 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 have believed this this thing your whole life and then gradually for it to have been challenged this whole time was that was that was that a hard thing to process or was it or was it quite a easy transition into okay well this is how we're going to this is how I'm now going to live my life I'm going to do it this other way differently um hmm I think it was definitely a process. Mm. I think, and especially coming from like a migrant family, and this is a discussion I have a lot with a lot of other friends from migrant families, is that it's not so easy to just disconnect and cut off, like yeah. because there is a support network and you rely on, you know, like I relied on my mum, like for all of our various conflicts and difficulties of which there were many growing up, like, you know, she was a cleaner and she worked in as a, um, like, you know, waitressing on like events and stuff, but she basically ensured that, you know, me and my brother and sister had somewhere to live yeah. and had food on the table, like as a single mum without English, um, as a first language and without any qualifications and ultimately I had a very keen sense of like my survival depends on her and therefore it's not so easy to run away at 15 or 16 huge, where would I go like when or not burden but that's just a huge responsibility yeah mm. exactly wow. and to completely yeah like reject parts of yeah the community that you've grown up in essentially mm. is very difficult and so yeah, I completely understand when people find it hard um, and finding ways of how do you navigate, like how do you navigate that line between your own freedom, 
where you can still be true to yourself and not like essentially cut away your support network cut away that safety yeah net. yeah exactly mm. um and also because you know family connections are a thing and community connections are a thing and your heritage connections are a thing mm. um for me i i guess i like you know i learned to lie i led a double life um i played at home the very dutiful um academic daughter who did all the things and you know didn't drink and didn't smoke and I didn't really drink actually that much growing up until a bit later on um and then you also navigate the kind of sanitized version that you give friends of you know when they say oh why don't you want to come and do this why don't you want to come to this party and like, oh I, you know I'm studying or I don't really like parties it is and you come up with these other kind of more palatable reasons that aren't like trying to explain the complexity of what the culture that you have at home is mm. um when at the same time you kind of want to go to that party and you do want to get drunk in the park but you can't because you have to be home at a certain time and your mum rings you every five minutes as soon as the end of school happens right so there's there's that and then um yeah and then really it takes a long time to really find out like what do you actually want and what do you actually believe and how do you want to experience life and what is important? Um, and sometimes you have to, to decide, yeah, like in this moment, is it that important to bring this certain truth home mm. or not? Mm. You know, like for example, right now, like it's, I'm almost 30. There is no need for me to tell my mum that I'm attracted to women. Mm -hmm. Like it's not gonna serve our relationship. I can, I live very happy, independent life outside of like my interactions with her where I can do whatever I like and it just is just a no you know yeah, of course. so and like that's kind of like a line or a balance that I've come to with that cool um I feel like I've wandered around but yeah back to yeah figuring out yeah the leaving process um I did it slowly in the way of like slow withdrawal Mm -hmm. and found university was an escape uh, yeah i was, I was gonna i was gonna say was <laughs> that, yeah, that 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 must have been the time where it was like right because because you yeah. went to bristol right i went to leeds leeds oh it was Leeds. yeah yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Uh -huh. so i guess for me i decided i thought okay i know what my mum values more or as much as the church and all of the values that in laid with that and that is Edu my academic success uh, education so i was like right okay and financial security, which was all tied in. So, you know, I lied and said I had extra maths classes to do after school and I might actually be at my friend's house or me and my friend have to work on this school project together. Um, I would say that, you know, I've, you know, I got a part-time job working in a cafe at the weekends, which just so happens to be on a Sunday, or maybe I really needed to write my essay on the Sunday, so I was going to the library. So, you know, all these ways to kind of extricate myself from an environment that actually f was beginning to feel quite toxic for me like spiritually and um yeah and I definitely found that working and babysitting and working in a cafe meant that for me I could justify like my actions because I could financially sustain myself okay. and that helped kind of disconnect that kind of guilt feeling mm. got like, of, like kind of like you've got a bit of responsibility you've got a bit of self 
I don't know, self-ownership yeah. maybe, or starting to become anyway. Possibly. Well, there's also that, you know, if your parent struggles and is providing loads for you um, and you live under their roof, there's a guilt around, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I shouldn't be, you know, spending mm. that money sneakily going to the cinema when I'm not allowed to or whatever it is. So it's like, if I've earned the money, then I can do what I want with it. I can go to that party that, and I can that buy autonomy. that beer. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Um, and yeah, so university was definitely like, right, this is how I get out of home and okay. kind of. How was that? Did, did you, so so what, what I did in a way was I was like, right, here's London. How far can I get? Away? Oh, Liverpool's quite far, right? Yeah, Let's yeah, Leeds. I was like, that's five hours away. <laughs> I, I honestly was like, okay, where is far away enough that my mom can't come and visit at weekends because I know that she will? I'm glad. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that had that. Because uh, she genuinely theory. said to me, like, oh, but when you go to university, you'll come back at the weekends, won't you? And I was like, no. No, no way. Uh, <laughs> train's expensive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Snowstorms. Leeds yeah. is terrible transport. Yeah. Oof. Flooding. The north. Flooding. Yeah. Hurricanes. Exactly. Tornadoes. <laughs> Volcanoes. <laughs> <laughs> the tectonic plates, man. Leeds. Those I think, dales. I think, I think there was an earthquake at one point. Exactly. It's not a lie. It's founded truth. Yeah. <laughs> glaciers there was a glacier about two million years ago so you know <laughs> dangerous place that bloody river's gonna come up and it's gonna sink everything so unless you've got a boat it can't come down sorry mum oh man so how's leeds leeds was great i had the best time that was that was that was that literally like rains oh, off Let's literally go. oh wild wildness Cool. Absolute wildness yeah remember remember, remember we came to a house party once uh oh which one second year the one where we had the double basement. It's all a bit hazy, really. It's all uh, a bit hazy. Second, could, possibly, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, anyway, it's great. Uh, Dave Rodigan came. Yes, that second year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was thinking it's that one. Mm. <laughs> that was a good party. Great. Yeah. Leeds was um, very liberating. Yeah. I What actually was really part important part of my development then was... Um, renegotiating with myself um, my relationship to sexuality mm. having been taught that sex is wrong and bad and evil sex outside marriage is bad you know all those kinds of things um, yeah so that was like I had to really take myself through a process of unlearning that Un- interesting unlearning okay mm. Mm. yeah because that was quite deeply ingrained mm. Um, and I had a wonderful time unlearning. Write <laughs> <Right>, that book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was in open relationships and I was polyamorous and yeah, lots of, lots of things. Polyamorous is many different partners, isn't it? So. Poly is many. Yeah. And, oh, I don't know. Am- amor, love. I don't know. Amor, is that right? love. Yeah. yeah but there's, there's many different types. There's no many many different manifestations of polyamory it's not just one specific thing and there's different like kind of relationship structures um yeah so it can be quite hard to define in that sense relationships in in terms of like sexual and non-sexual or is is there always that element in there or is is it just purely muses or what's like um so for example some people might have what they call a primary partner they might live with them they might you know have been with them for a long time have a very specific type of commitment and they might have 
other partners who they see maybe less often and they have like a sexual romantic relationship with as well um there might be an arrangement where you have a primary partner and you don't have uh, romantic relationships with other people but you do have like sexual relationships with other people for example or there are some people who romantic, romantic and uh, uh, how does that differ romantic and sexual so a sexual relationship is yeah i guess very much within that kind of sexual realm of exploration and a okay. romantic relationship is like you know we're committing to going on holiday together and let's go okay. to this like right uh, poetry reading and come around for dinner and you know a sexual relationship is very much about the sexual connection yeah um and then there are some people who don't believe in relationship hierarchy in that way um so view anyone that they're dating as um equal to each other in terms of like yeah and also within that um not Every relationship that's romantic has to be sexual. So, you know, a lot of people are asexual, for example, okay. who don't, um, yeah, want to engage sexually with other people. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of... Broad range. There's a whole range, yeah. It's a bit like, um, I was in I was in supermarket every day and there's like, you know, there's like the alternative milk section yeah which is has gone from just being a little carton and it's now like i mean yeah there's all these factions and there's yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's probably a bit of a reductive way of of describing it but that's just first that came to my head so well it's there it's there all the alternative milk options yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh i try a bit of oat milk oh sweetened with or unsweetened he's on that with coconut yeah (laughs) unlearning Mm. yeah lots of unlearning yeah it yeah it definitely taught me a lot around communication and boundaries oh wow um Mm. yeah different ways of being in a relationship that fall outside of the stereotypes that basically get forced upon us by society and media um and yeah different ways of what intimacy looks like and understanding that you know we can have very deep platonic intimacy with people who we aren't romantically or sexually involved in but are very much as part you know committed parts of our lives um yeah and how yeah how you navigate transitioning out of out of romantic relationships and still wanting to maintain a connection and that sounds like something quite admirable because i yeah you know people who are who just like tether the Tether the connection. Just like mm. one big chop, sorry, that's it, no. Like that's not a great way of doing it, really. Because it doesn't it doesn't give you anything. You don't get any feedback on how it went. You don't you don't chat about how it could have gone better. You don't learn anything. But 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 that that process of like of consciously uncoupling, if mm. you like, that's kind of Yeah. That sounds quite admirable, really. Or or or, or quite just I don't know, just different and good, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I learned I learned a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, and something that I definitely really value, and I think it relates to so many parts of life. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what happened at uni in terms of sort of yeah exploring what else is out there outside of the, quite the narrow confines of what I was taught was possible mm. growing up. Um, what did you study at uni? Environmental science. Environmental science. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That must have been quite... W- w- did, did you have interest people in your course? Did you have like... What What? What did that kind of... Did that... It wasn't as cover? interesting as it you no. think it would be. Okay. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, a lot of people who were on the course were on it because they didn't get onto other science-based courses and it's All actually right. an easier site, like BSc to get. Okay. Um, there are a few people who I met there who became my best friends and I'm still best friends with them today um, and ended up getting involved with different projects within later on after uni and I was going to say did that did that fuel did, did, did you did you because you're because you're quite in it with, with regards to the environment and and caring about it and all that sort of stuff did mm. that did that did you already have that or did did doing environmental science further fuel that so I already had it so basically I think I was 15 and I decided that I wanted to learn about climate change because I wanted to understand it and um so I already knew I was going to study the environment before I even applied to uni. Right. So I basically based my um, GCSEs and A-levels on that decision. And I'd already looked up which the best unis were and I'd already decided I'm going to apply for these ones. Um, and yeah, so I've lost my train of thought. Um, did did it um, did the course further fuel your um, or did you already have it your the the, the passion for the environment and climate change? Yeah, so I guess I had the passion already. Um, the course, some elements of the course supported it, but to be honest, most of what kind of uh, nurtured that passion happened outside of the course. So I got involved with a group called People and Planet, which is a student activism group. Um, which is about the people and planet. <laughs> Does what it says on Tinder, doesn't Literally, it? Literally, yeah. Um, You've got baked beans. They are baked, baked beans. beans. Which are great. <laughs> I've found the sugary ones, you know. Oh, I haven't had those. They're just horrible. No, no, you're just going to go the original. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, don't deviate that, from the original. Or that, or that like... You, I, I was I was around someone's house once and they and they and they said Do you want beans with your eggs and I was like um, are they those like high in sugar ones and they're like no no these are like um, these are like like tomato spice with like cumin and garlic oh and... sexy beans oh that they're called sexy beans they, I mean they are very sexy yeah and they are beans yeah cinnamon turmeric paprika bit of onion garlic yeah they're good just completely changed my sugary tomato idea of what beans could and would should be yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm a full advocate for the sexy beans. Yeah, I love yeah. the next. <laughs> I'll have a sexy beans on toast, please, love. Thank you. Only sourdough, darling. Um, sorry, back. Where were we? Uh, um, for sexy beans. For the sexy beans. Does what says in the tin. Be oh yeah, student student life. P people and planet. People, people and planet. planet. Yeah, go. so I joined people and planet, which is like uh, a campaigny direct action student group um which comes from a very anti-capitalist narrative so understanding climate change mm. um as being linked to the capitalist industrial system. fossil fuel complex system mm. um so that was great learning and i was involved in a community garden project called the barden grange community allotment so wow. being from like inner city london and actually like seeing vegetables for the first time and putting your hands in soil and what? i remember you mean vegetables don't come from tesco's no they grow in the ground soil yeah and they have other things like leaves and stuff uh, yeah, i know i know get down to an allotment people <laughs> go and see some veg and i remember coming home from my first session with like this bag full of stuff and just bouncing off the walls be like oh my god this is a leak <laughs> never be what, where, where, where? Under, under, under the sink? What's happening? No, look. 
green and long and lovely. <laughs> it's 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 such an important relationship, I think, to have to food. You have to have a relationship to it. Yeah. If you don't have a relationship, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know the. Uh, I mean, yeah, so important. And it's it oh just being outside just feels so good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd always had this thing growing up where I was like, I want to be a farmer one day, and then realised that I hate getting up in the morning and they wake up really early. So I was like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, no, no. But there is still a part of me that's like, oh, a farm would be nice. Or just like a little grow just veg, a chicken, chicken, yeah. Yeah, 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 vegetables, chicken, some eggs. Yeah. It's fine. Um, yeah, so that definitely was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, yeah, and well, so, I don't know. I just got, I got very involved in lots of different things. So uh, got involved with helping make a climate change documentary. Got to travel oh. on a very specific activist train that was chartered from i think it was from brussels to poland during one of the climate talks right and imagine like you know one of those long cross-continental trains but it was like a private train so full it was of activists full of activists so that's like people from like greenpeace and people from whatever youth of friends of the earth and i bet you there was no there was no small talk there was there i don't know i bet you it was all in on like we're all in this together. That yeah. must have been amazing. It was, it was amazing. And wow. Yeah. And I had one of these things, microphones, and okay. I was interviewing people. Oh, wow. And yeah. Have you, have, you, have you got these somewhere? Is it, what's, what, what's the video called? The climate change video? Uh, I think it was called Atmosphere. So it was interviewing like politicians and scientists and activists. Um, okay. It was mostly produced by someone who was doing a PhD in the department that I was studying in. Right. I haven't actually seen the finished piece. Oh, okay. Is no. it is it online somewhere? I Vimeo think so, places. Okay. Yeah. Atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience. Although as we came into Warsaw, it was absolutely freaky coming into Warsaw, and you know how like on the side of the train tracks you've got the bushes, mm. and there were militarily military people lined all in between the bushes. Oh. Like fully armed with like the shield and Ooh. yeah, and the helicopter was following us in. What? Yeah, yeah, it was intense. Holy crap! Yeah. Um. How did? How did uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just. What goes through your head when that's happening? Like, are we are we are we gonna be alive? Is it? Is it is, I know. It's it, quite scary. Kinda... It's quite scary. You know, there's like kids on board and stuff like that. It, yeah. I think it just really highlighted that we can live in this illusion sometimes in the west or in europe or wherever that yeah Sphere um, maybe yeah mm. that political expression is welcome and it is definitely watched and not um yeah some of the some of the, some of the stuff that's going on recently with like i mean it's you know it's, it's it's nothing new but you know you you see people um peacefully protesting by sitting down and getting tear gas in their face and getting rubber bullets at their heads when when they're just you know just sitting there peacefully doing their thing and mm -hmm. it's like oh, okay so and then and then recently as well um trying to get xr up up the, uh, somebody's working in a school um and is saying that they've got to give talks like prevent talks and they're putting XR in the same kind of bracket as like ISIS. Wow. Yeah. As as like a terrorist organization. Well, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely not okay to, to think outside the box and to yeah. care about are we planet that we live in. Yeah. So exactly. don't do it. How dare you? <laughs> Keep on the capitalist system, all right? Actually, don't do that, please. If you listen to this, you're probably not going to be doing it anyway. But, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Then... We're here to change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Not to change you, just to influence you. No, to inspire. Give you, give, inspire. Inspire, motivate. Inspire, motivate. Thank you yeah. for taking that cynicism away from that little bit. Yeah, inspire to what is possible. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, t- tell us more about your, your, your experiences of... Because, because you... you I, I, do you know, I remember, I remember being back in, in secondary school. In, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit 15 or something. And there was a spate of muggings that happened. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have names, but, you know, th- anyway, there was there was a guy who went mm. around, you know, robbing a lot of people. And, you know, people, you know, we were very kind of you know, scared. I'd say scared definitely as well. Mm. We were very kind of like tentative. And then you, I, I, I remember this, the clearest day, you were like, you came around to every, every single person. You were like, we need to write a petition. We need to get a letter signed against this guy because it's affecting all of us. And you, you literally rallied around the, the whole flipping, like... Yeah, yeah, the whole the whole year getting a uh, a a kind of backlog of people to be mm. like, look, this guy is doing this thing. I and remember that at the, at the time. I was like, that takes some fucking. But you know what it something. was? It was because the person who was doing the muggings was no longer at the school because they'd been expelled, and they were at the end of the road at the top of Westbeer Road, right? Mm. And so, and despite the fact that we had a policeman on our school grounds which i don't agree with generally but yeah, whatever yeah. he was there um and i said that and i basically what i found out was is that he couldn't he wasn't doing anything and so i asked why and then i found out from the head of year because apparently his beat you know police only get a certain area it's just the school grounds and I said, you're telling me this policeman knows perfectly well that every single day people are being beaten up and mugged at the end of the road, which is five minutes. You can see it from our school entrance and he cannot walk to the end of the road and he cannot figure out getting someone else to come along and walk to the end of that road and do something about it. Yet, yet you can you can put someone in handcuffs for, you know, swearing at you in the corridor. Exactly. I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> what is the point? <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what is your job? What are you yeah, doing? This is completely, completely pointless. Yeah. yeah. So it was to basically challenge that. But but at that at, at that age to 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 have that to have that mindset and that that wherewithal and that like that oomph to do that, like, I was I was honestly blown away. And and, and to this day, it's still it's still a huge memory of mine that you actually managed to to rally around this thing. So yeah, I'm amazed that you remember that. Oh, I've got, I've believe me, if 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 someone's had an impact on my life or any sort of way it's mm. like it's imprinted it's mm. there and uh I, I don't know i suppose I, I suppose this whole project is 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 an ode to that just like people who i've met in my life who've had yeah in various ways like a huge huge impact and it's like like th- these people need to be celebrated these people need to have voices it's not it's not we don't we don't need to respect the celebrities out there mm. and you know want to be kim fucking kardashian because you know because whatever you know no it's 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 the people that are on the ground that are making the decisions that have influenced my life and i only I, yeah just want to give them a bit of time to express themselves and their greatness so mm. yeah that's th- that always stuck with me it was it was mega <laughs> mega <laughs> mega oh yeah that was a funny time mm. anyway so yeah back to um so 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 back to uh to to university to, to activism mm. um then you moved to Br- i don't know if you want to say more, more about that but then you moved to bristol and, yeah i yeah. did so i moved to bristol um yeah great place like, eh? oh really great place great. yeah um i'm so glad i mean like just like touching distance I'm just, I'm just driving, <laughs> it's great <laughs> yeah it's a good place so yeah mm. i moved to bristol kind of on a wing and a prayer i had got back to london after being 
up north for like three, four years. I did a year abroad in Canada, so I had a year out there and then came back to Leeds and then came back down to London. Which part of Canada? Um, near Toronto. Do you know, Theo said that it was just boring. Um, he was, was in it? Calgary. Okay. Where I was was a bit different. It it can be, yeah, but there are there are pockets of things going on, oh, cool. and it depends what you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there can be fun stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I basically came back to London and was like, "Cool, I've got this degree. I could, you know, the the roadmap was essentially that's laid out for you." Go and you can either become an environmental consultant and work for like big companies like Rolls-Royce or Tesco's or Unilever, which is like a horrible farm, um, not quite pharmaceutical brand, but... Controlling everything brand, (laughs) chocolate and Hellman's. Exactly. Um, And who cause a lot of environmental destruction and you can be part of their greenwashing arm and get paid loads of money to be like, oh, but we recycle kind of over here and, you know, basically be their PR around why they're actually not that bad, but they are mm. bad. And Do you know they've recently taken over, I think it's Ecover? Have they? Have taken they? Over? Yeah, yeah, taken oh, over. Oh, well, that's that then. Don't get Ecover. Get, I think I think BioD and Ecoleaf are the two ones that are, you know, co- cooperatively, co- cooperatively, that one Ecoleaf. owned. Oh, that's good to yeah, know. Yeah. But yeah, e- e- or no, or no, Ecover sort of to Johnson & Johnson, actually. Oh, yeah, Johnson & Johnson are bad. That's it. That's they uh, mine soapstone in India, which destroys tiger habitats really yeah i remember this because i learned that in like when we were in geography class oh wow yeah oh, it's one of those things that i remember from like 13 years old yeah right and i also sent around a whole load of emails to people all the time being like please don't buy johnson and johnson yeah. <laughs> <Stealth> talcum powder <laughs> um yeah so i came back to london and was just there like oh yeah so then the other um kind of pathway is do a lot of unpaid internships, which mm. is not accessible if you don't have a lot of money growing up and even less accessible if you're not based in London and can't live at home um, in order to then go and work for NGOs and that kind of stuff. But I also had this thing of, I don't really want to work in an office. I don't want to work for an NGO, which often are quite removed from actual grassroots. I'm, I'm having a lot of things people. about these these NGOs. Yeah, and they're often run by businesses. Yeah. Um, and their hands are often tied in terms of like government and policy. And I just thought, I that's not where I want to be. Not my bag, man. Yeah. And I just didn't want to get caught in the London grind. And I had this sense of if I stay in London, I'll get caught in the London yeah. grind and the traps of like. Yeah, working and money and office life and lose myself. And I don't really know who I am, what's important fully yet, because I still feel quite young and I've still got some figuring out to do. And I didn't want to suddenly like have five years go by and suddenly wake up and be like, wait, what just happened? Wow, that's uh, okay. Yeah. So I very purposely decided to leave London. Mm. And I've been well, putting well, the, the, the the London grind. That's it is. It. You yeah. get you get caught up in this mill. Um, so I've been to Bristol once, and it that year it was the European Green Capital. So I thought there'll be loads of funding available and interesting projects and stuff going on mm. in terms of like the environment. So I'll go there, and it's close enough to London, far away enough. It's small. Didn't you? Didn't you? Weren't you one of the the starter uppers or something of Skipjin of like of um yeah the junk food project or something wasn't it? So 
Skipchin is a food waste project that my best friend from uni, Sam, mm-hmm. started along with our other friend, Katie, mm-hmm. um, in the September or October of that year that we graduated. Um, and we'd all been involved in the Real Junk Food Project up in Leeds. And then I joined them in February. So I became one of the core uh, organisers or co-directors with them. And so basically we um, were challenging food waste narrative in the UK. Um, we were a campaign cafe that was run entirely by volunteers. We were also volunteers so none of us were being paid. Um, and it meant that people could come into the cafe and eat and it was on a pay-as-you-feel basis so it really supported you know there's a massive homeless community and refugee community in Bristol Um, and there's also quite a lot of poverty in Bristol as well as you know a lot of wealth so it's quite divided in that sense Um, and yeah we were taking direct action by like skipping and intercepting food that would otherwise go into landfill Um, and drawing connections to the wider globalised food system and how that also relates to climate change. So a lot of the food waste narratives in the UK at the time were very much focused on like food poverty and food banks, which, you know, totally is a thing and austerity and the cuts. But also there's a lot about to think about in terms of why are we shipping over apples from Australia or New Zealand when actually apples grow really well in the UK and they're all packaged individually in plastic and they're being transported however many thousands of miles. And then just because they're too big or too small for supermarket shelves, they end up in landfill. And thinking about that environmental chain of destruction that's happening in that process, but also when you're thinking about, um, say, green beans being grown in Kenya mm. for Europe for European markets where you know, maybe the um, the growing process doesn't actually support the local soil, mm. um, where local people can't actually afford to eat the food that they're growing, um, and then for a lot of that to end up in waste. Um, yeah, so beggars re- belief. Yeah, yeah. So just really trying to kind of understand everything that is going on. Like it's not just about oh we've put some food in the bin and that's bad. It's like you know those are entire people's lives, people's health. Um, the soil health somewhere else the global health through um, transport and yeah the fossil fuel emissions that are required in terms of processing packaging transport and so on and so forth the water use that is needed in order to grow that crop especially in areas that might be semi-arid there's a lot and the other day at the, at the homeless place I'm working at now, they had they had like lamb on a Sunday, and I was like, oh okay, was, you know, from Wales or England or something, yeah, New Zealand. Really? Lamb from New Zealand, yeah. yeah. Wow. It's like there's, there's just no, there is no there's just no cor- there's no thought there's no correlation there's no like oh it's New Zealand lamb that's come from New Zealand. Yeah. A long flipping way. Yeah. Probably frozen, ain't gonna be the best quality. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we um yeah, we did some workshops in schools working with primary school kids oh, and great. they were really sweet because the, the primary school kids essentially had created their own campaign. I think they'd lobbied their local waitros to um talk about the food waste that was happening Brilliant. there. And then the waitros primary school. Yeah, primary school and the waitros <laughs> got in contact with us and then we ended up going into that primary school and doing some workshops with them, which was really cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Um yeah, I really enjoyed that. And 
But this was also around the time that, which election was it? There was an election happening and the refugee crisis was kind of exploding in Europe. Trying to think if it was was it was it the was it the Lib Dem coalition mm, or was it the Cameron outright? I think it was Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It was that one, and so there was a lot of election rhetoric around that was focused around anti-immigration and was very racist and um, yeah, just lots of narratives around pushing austerity based on this anti-immigration rhetoric. Um, and then, yeah, so we we ended up going to Calais to the refugee camp there, which actually wasn't one place, but lots of um, different squats. Um, and this is before um, the Calais jungle, as it was called, ended up becoming a very big um, refugee camp. So actually when we went there, it was, there weren't that many people actually in the sand dunes, so you could you could just wander across the sand dunes, um, and we essentially went and took a whole load of food in a fridge van and a converted ambulance. The ambulance, I remember seeing this. Yeah, yeah. yeah the ambulance, right. So the ambulance were we converted into a kitchen, um, and massive tents, and essentially set up community kitchens there. Wow. Um. Fucking hell. And. Yeah, there was a lot of backlash from people on social media saying, you know, why are you feeding other people when we've got homeless people in the UK, la, 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 as if, like, yeah, that's a, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, so there was a, quite a lot of that. And then, but also the, a lot of the points that we wanted to make was that a lot of people were fleeing conflict and um, environmental degradation which also impacts your ability to survive on land and your economic stability um linked to this whole global supply food chain um process that we were talking about and how that relates to food waste in the uk um so i think there's something very poignant and powerful about taking you know uh green beans from whichever part of the world or dates from Afghanistan, for example, um, that were meant to go in the bin in the UK and actually being able to redirect that to people who actually come from these areas in order to support them. And it's just, I think, I think, I think, I think with something like that, where, where someone does have the view about, you know, yeah, but yeah, but what about the British homeless and what that sort of stuff? It's like, it's like, uh, you know, there's, there's, there is, there is a lot beneath the surface of that statement. Like, mm. like you just explained, there's a lot to do with the global food, um, you know, problem, the 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 the, the chain, the supply, and mm. then you know, yeah, yeah, for that to go in the bin, and and to completely overlook the fact that they have been, they are displaced people, or you know, may have come from conflict or whatever it might be, to completely overlook the fact that you're actually just fucking going out and doing a bit of good. Mm. Uh, yeah, it begs belief that someone would have a gripe against that yeah I mean. yeah it was yeah it was so ridiculous but yeah. we went and yeah, well um how long how long how long was that what, what so was we the... went for a week and we set up a like a kind of permanent kitchen um in yeah in the kind of the sand dune area which later became known as the jungle and we also went to one of the squats which i think it used to be a bus depot on the edge of the city okay 
um and we did some cooking there and everyone got involved all the people oh, were wow. living there and you know they know how to cook they know what they want they know the spices that they want to cook with mm. and it was just a great way to build community and everyone just pitched in and helped out and have you ever tried a uh, yorkshire pudding Honestly, I could, I, could, I could do the best. Actually, do you know what? <laughs> we might just want some paprika and turmeric and all these flavours. Nah, but honestly, man, <laughs> eggs, flour, and a bit of milk. So, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, was, I had something I had to say, and I went on a silly tangent. And Okay, um, yeah, what, what in in those, like, those like um, camps, Yeah. what is the general kind of um, feeling or the general mood, the general... Uh, yeah that's all oh yeah yeah what, what's what what what's the general feeling amongst amongst people there what's what's the atmosphere like what's the because yeah i mean i've i've, I've never been I'm, I'm just intrigued to know what it's like um i don't know it say? was very different when we went the first time to the second time um and it was quite a while ago how do they differ the, the, the two of them? so the first time people were more scattered in the kind of, you know, the different squats or living on the streets. And this was before people kind of got rounded up and moved onto the area that ended up being called the jungle. So by the time we went the second time, there was, I mean, just thousands of people. And, you know, you you could hardly see the ground. Do you know what I mean? And there was structures everywhere and... But I think both times that sense of community and presence, mm. like they're very like, cool, right now you guys are here and we're cooking and we're going to cook and we want to cook with you and we want to get involved and we're curious and we're asking questions and we're laughing and we're singing and we're dancing. Mm. Um, and yeah, arguing about which is the best way to cook rice. <laughs> Do you half fry it first or do you <laughs> soak it or do you, you know? Everyone's got a different way. What's, what's your way? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just eat my mum's rice. <laughs> how does she do it? Pfft, don't know. Magic, magic mum ways. This 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 lady, um uh Mona, she she taught me a way of doing it. So if if you can't be you can't be fucked to soak it. Yeah. You just get half the rice, yeah. get the oil, fry it in the pan. Yeah. Very, very high, as if like on the high heat. And then you just pop it in, and then you you do your um you do your, your water at the same level, and it comes out pristine. Mm. There is not a stick involved because the oil in the process and it lubricates it a bit. And that sounds good. If you if you can't bother to because soaking rice, I mean it does. You, I, yeah. I, I just call it. And like then, like, how many times do you wash it out? Like I know the Iranians like spent hours washing yeah, right. it. Yeah, so long. Absolutely. If you just want a quick, easy da-da, half fry, whatever your rice you got, spices, oil, water, lid, done. Great. Yeah. Perfect. Good to know. Yeah. I like that though conversation about how to cook, and 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 uh, and again, that's what that's what I think I think is so beautiful about about food and about mm. and about something like that is, is is it does bring that sense of community. It does bring yeah. that you know communal feel to it. You know, okay, okay, let's cook rice. But how are you going to cook rice? The conversation starts, you know, and that could maybe take away from some of the the kind of awfulness that was happening or, or, or that would have been happening. In, in yeah, this. and I think the main thing is that creating that space meant that people could take ownership, even if it's just for five, ten minutes, oh, wow. or an hour at a point in their lives where they're very disempowered Mm. you know there's a lot of things they can't control and in that moment it's like great i'm gonna cook this rice and i'm gonna do this process and it's a way of connecting to your home and your culture and you know you're owning that process and 
I feel like that's a really important feeling for people to have mm. um, because that isn't necessarily in your everyday in those situations and any moment that you can like hold on to that I think is really yeah it's it's a really good reminder yeah 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 wow I don't, I, I, yeah that's something quite quite prominent or quite like profound yeah wow mm. I think it's very different from going somewhere and being like we're going to do this for you because you can end up in a very much saviour complex right and yeah, it's right. not it's not about that it's like what does it mean to actually be in community and solidarity with other people that isn't just this, we're going to come and do this or give you this and then leave? Like, to turn up, give some sleeping bags and then disappear again, it's like, what does that even mean? It's very, <laughs> it's very interesting, actually, because at the, at, the, at the homeless place now, um, there, are, there are like, there are like um, this group of ladies, and, and you know, they're, they're very, very, very well-meaning, very lovely, beautiful, but it, but it, is, that, it is that kind of, they, they kind of come and, and just like prepare the food and it and it is, I suppose a good way to put that savior complex. That they come, they do it, then they go. Mm. And you know, fair enough to do talk. But yeah, I think I think I think to actually, yeah, do it t- together is would be more, yeah, more, you know, yeah. Yeah, and I think so. What we noticed when we were there, for example, is um, there was this really amazing French guy who came on every day with a generator. Um, in order to provide power so people could charge their phones because obviously that's the only means of connection to family, to other members of the community, to finding out about information around, you know, when are different services or offices open, where they, you know, they might be going through like an asylum application process, like all oh, those wow. things. Um, finding about, you know, what's going on back home. So it's actually really vitally important, especially if you're a lone traveller, it's very isolating. So um, luckily part of the Skipton crew are amazing mechanics and practical people, which I'm definitely not. Yes. And also very creative thinkers. So when we came back over the summer, basically we got donated, I think, I can't remember how many, maybe 20 old Japanese um, post bikes. Right. So like the postmen go around on these bikes. Um, So they're quite like heavy duty and they're bright red and, um, you know, they were they were going to go to waste. So, you know, everything's about reusing things are going to waste. And they basic, so the amazing other people in Skipton created um, bike-powered yeah. phone charging. Great. And, you know, like they soldered things themselves and they got all, did all the electrics. And so when we went back in the autumn, we were able to provide, you know, there are these stationary bikes and they could be in different parts of the camp and, you don't need a generator and you can You've just got do your it yourself. legs, my friend. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Wow. Such, yeah, just, yeah, very, very inventive, very creative, mm. very, yeah. It's, it's, I think, I think, I mean, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just throwing out things you've actually been part of it, but, you know, to, to, to have that as, as part of, as part of something must be quite important. Yeah. 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 So we went back and um, delivered the bikes and also did more kitchen stuff as well. Okay. And then actually um, a lot of, half the group of us ended up going to Lesbos, mm-hmm. which is the island of the coast of Greece. Yeah. yeah, where a lot of people who are crossing the Mediterranean end up. It's like the first island that they come to. Um, and what they year were, was this? Maybe it was it 2015? Okay. Maybe 2015, 2016. Um, and yeah, because of what, the stuff that we'd done in Calais they were asked I think it was by help refugees to come and set up 
and build a community kitchen in Lesbos, okay. which they did, which ran, I think, for like four months. And, you know, they were feeding like thousands of people every day mm. um, who were arriving by boat. And then eventually when they got kicked off the island because it essentially became militarized um, and um, sort of grassroots groups weren't allowed to be there. They ended up in Athens and managed to get hold of a massive community um, warehouse, like a seven-story warehouse building and create a whole community center wow. with, but all entirely from scratch. Mm. So, you know, they built the kitchen, they had a free shop, they even had dentists come in and provide dental care. They built a rooftop garden. They Bloody had hell. a space, like an emergency accommodation for vulnerable women so they could come spend a night. So they went on the streets. There was a kid's crash. I never actually went to this space, but yeah. a lot of very close friends were part of it. Is it um, still there or is there. it been? So it was called Cora. And I think a year, maybe a year and a half ago, um, they lost the building. Um, something, I'm not sure why. Um, and I think they were trying to find another one. I think they might have another one. Um, but I'm not actually up to date with okay. where it's at now. So yeah, that's, I think what I enjoy about this story is that it's, it it really gives a sense of like how things evolve like how we can respond to what's going on in our times and um yeah how one seed can really like unfurl into something totally different and how that can take on a life of its own and yeah and it's it's not i think it's i think it's it's it because it, i mean with that i i don't think you can have you probably a little bit of planning mm. but i think i think with something like that it's it's very important to go with the flow and yeah. and i think i think you're right i think I, th I think you can take that into many things just like yeah. rather than having a structure let's have a rough idea of how it can go but be open to to change and to be you know open to trying new things and different yeah creative ideas or whatever it might be yeah, yeah. exactly and everything that you know we'd learned from previous things fed into the future you know so from setting up a kind of figure out how to set up a makeshift kitchen in calais to then you know, whoever went on to then be in Lesbos and actually physically build, you know, with proper carpentry, <laughs> um, a whole other more permanent structure. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, it just... It's pretty amazing that, 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 that people are willing to, to also, that have actually got a skill. Mm. It's pretty amazing that, that they're then willing to actually use that, you know, not not just to make money, but, all, but you know, to, to go towards helping... Uh, a cause and a, 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 a kind of greater good like what's happening with the, with the camp in Lesbos it's really it's really lovely that people are willing to do that I think. yeah mm. yeah so it was yeah it was quite inspiring to watch people go on and do all these other things mm. um and I, I actually stayed in England and didn't go so yeah it was yeah just very heartwarming to kind of be like oh yeah that all of that still a lot of that kind of ethos is still carrying through and it just has a different manifestation but ultimately, for me, I feel like it all kind of feeds back into the same thing, really. Yeah, you've got. I think. I think. I think you've got to expose yourself to that, and then you know, yeah, bring if 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 it's not for you or whatever that might be, you you know, like bringing that back into into your dead existence. So you know, mm. yeah, get getting out there and kind of experiencing those kind of things, um, helping out, doing that thing, but then yeah, bringing that back in, not just you know, completely turning a blind eye to it and being like, well, that was that. Then that was then. This is now. And yeah. It's a different. It's a different thing because I'm in a different situation. I'm in a different part of society. It's quite quite important to to bring that across. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, how much time have you got? Um, I'm good until about two. What time is it now? 
Ten past one. Ten past one. Okay, two. All right. Mm. Um, I mean, do, do you want to carry on? Yeah, that's Quite. fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were Bristol dinner activism. Um, what else, what's what's what, what's next for you? Because you're you're in London now. You're doing mm. massage. Yeah, so I became a massage therapist. Okay, how did you how did you come across to that? Um, so how did I come? I think it was one. Of, you know, when you have those lists of things that you really want to do, and it was just always kept appearing on this list, along with write a book and learn to drive and spend time in Europe and whatever. I don't know. I can't remember what else is on the list. Swim, something like that. Um, have chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I think I reached, I got to 25. And 25 isn't old, but when you're 25, you think you're old and you think, oh my God, what have I done with my life? Like half of my life has disappeared. And I was like, right, that's it. I'm, in, I'm only going to do things in this year of being 25 that I've never done before. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what an ethos. Okay. Yeah. Good. So that's what I decided. And I decided that all those things that I think I want to do, why am I waiting for this future time? I can just do it now. Yeah. There is a revelation. A, it's so simple, yeah. but you don't realize. No, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, spent, I've spent years writing lists, lists of things to do, things to one day to go to that, to that, to that. Yeah. And I was like, I better start doing some of these things, actually. And this, yeah. is, this is part of this doing process. It's like, exactly. you want to stop? Let's do it. Just, just do it. Fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like many things, I sometimes, yeah, I just randomly bump into people or places. And I bumped into an old friend who on a night out in Bristol. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this amazing massage course. It's really incredible. It's so transformational. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, that looks great. Sign mm. up. <laughs> great. Um, yeah. I'd always kind of absentmindedly massaged people growing up. Mm. And so, and people had kind of said, you know, I was good at it, so I thought I might as well actually learn properly. Um, and I liked the idea that I had, like, having a physical trade because mm. my skill set isn't necessarily practical. Mm. Um, at least that's, yeah, that's how I felt. And I wanted a practical skill that I knew that I could rely on for myself, that I didn't have to... I could create my own work that I wasn't in an office and I wasn't constantly in these environments where you're having to prove yourself to someone else with your CV and this piece of paper and, do, 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 and like, you know, all this stuff. I was like, oh, this, that's such a disempowering thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that those are the reasons that I felt like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Mm. Um, and it's a way of um, connecting and supporting people as well without having to do talking therapy because I was like, I do not, I don't want to know. <laughs> just, That's a lot. I'll That's a lot. You have to with hold the hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's I will talking. I heal, not massage, hold. You know? yeah. uh, wait, I'll hold, but not heal. Yeah. yeah. No, but I'll wait around anyway. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I didn't want to be a talking therapist at all. So, yeah. It's more, it's more about that, that process is, is, is more, it's more about sort of like, I think, I think you would, you would take a lot of stuff on. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm kind of the process of, of of trying to figure out whether I want to or not, but mm. I think, yeah, you'd have to kind of. But yeah, but yeah, but massage with the hands. I mean, that that is that is definitely therapy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. And like you know, there is talking that happens in it, can mm. happen in it, but yeah, it's not talking solidly for an hour. So yeah, so I did this course, and it was it changed my life. Oh really? Yeah. 
Wow. I was very burnt out at that time. I was very depressed. Um, I was in like a very deep, like my entire sense of self had completely disappeared. Wow. I had no idea. Like I was just <clears throat> but via via doing <coughs> these 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 like really amazing things, or just in the in the grind of of, of society of Bristol. I don't know what. Just I uh, yeah, I think a combination of you know unprocessed stuff from growing up to being really busy doing a lot of activism related stuff and projects I'd been um you know I hadn't had a stable income for a really long time I'd been sharing rooms with people so there's not much personal space um the summer that we went to Calais twice in between we went on a three-month road trip around the UK sounds like sounds like not a lot of grounding <clears throat> yeah not yeah. a lot of grounding and mm. I and you know when you're like in those kind of environments you feel like it's what you're doing is never enough and that you need to sacrifice your entire self for this greater cause or whatever and you, you just push yourself, yourself. Yeah. yeah and you know i think that along with a combination of growing up in a religious environment that's very much about um service and that um viewing like anything that's like that you do for yourself is self-centered and you have to always yeah be giving it's it was quite difficult yeah yeah so it's tricky because 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 you, you the, the the from from my understanding of things obviously it's not good to be selfish i mean mm. and, and I, I don't advocate selfishness or whatever but you've you've just got to you've just got to look you've got you've got to take care of yourself because mm. you know this this relationship you have to yourself then resonates to other people and if you're not looking after you know this person here and taking care and compassionately inquiring and you know saying things are going to right you're loving you know all that sort of stuff yeah yeah if you're not if, if you're not doing that then then how can you be in any place to to you can't yeah and that's something i really learned in through the massage through my massage study oh, wow. is like it is a very physical reality check of if you're ill like you rely on your body and your and for you to be in a grounded well emotional state in order to support and massage someone else and if you're ill if you're stressed if you're crying if you're you know whatever it's very difficult to do that and you can't do that and actually that in that moment that's your work mm. and so i really had to learn how to have an entire i realized i didn't have a relationship with my body i did view it as this external casing that like I expected to do my bidding without any thought and process to actually its needs. So <clears throat> that was quite a deep process to unlearn and wow. relearn. <laughs> um, a lot of that. And yeah, it, yeah, it taught me a lot basically. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you had like a, like a, like a better understanding of, of yourself or with yeah. yourself through learn doing, a, doing this massage course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I did, yeah, became a massage therapist. Um, ooh. That's the jazzy is that the jingle? That's the jazzy <laughs> phone that means someone is calling me. Oh, that's so long now. It's just like, it's not even a, it just kind of goes in the background. I don't even notice it. And it's like, if I'll, I'll, I'll call you back in a bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> If, if I was like, you have got a jingle. If somebody calls me like three times in a row, I'm like, right, something serious happening now. Okay. But if, if they call me once, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll, no. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you in a bit. Also, if it's that serious, they send a text, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, answer yeah. your phone now. Or, exactly. Okay, I will. All right. Yeah. But if someone's calling you just to be like, hey, sky blue, or I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll do that another, in a time. another time. <laughs> right now, I'm chatting with Mana. Sorry, phone. <laughs> you can wait. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel you on that. Yeah. Um, so, massage therapist, are you are you gonna? Because um, you're now going to Canada, oh. aren't you? Mm-hmm. Are you are you going back to Canada or different different part? Or I'm moving to Montreal. Right. Yeah, at the end of the month. That's exciting. I know. It's in two it's weeks. Very exciting. Yeah. Permanent year visa or what? How's I've that got working? a two year work travel visa, okay. which you can do if you're under thirty. Right. Um, they might extend it to thirty five. They might do. Yeah. Time. I'm not sure. I just read. Don't risk article. it. Mm. Yeah. Um. So I can stay for two years. I don't know if I'll definitely stay for two years. But I'm Will you be doing your months. your massage, your trade? So not? the reason I want to part of the reason I want to go is I'm kind of going on a bit of a pilgrimage. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of really interesting um, political healing projects over in North America, in Canada, in the states. Mm that I feel like are way ahead compared to the UK and Europe in a lot of things. And um, for me, um, yeah, I don't I don't view my like massage therapy as separate from my activism. I feel like they're all interwoven and figuring out how I integrate. Yeah, all of that. So yeah, I want to go in and visit basically a bit like what you're doing now. Just go and visit inspiring projects and people and learn and learn how they do things and their ways of thinking wow. and hopefully infuse some of that wisdom and come back and then hopefully life will become clearer. If you, um, if I, I've not worked out how to do it yet, but I think, mm. I think there's a way of like Skype calling and then recording a Skype call. But but I'm sure there is. Yeah, I've, I've seen it done, <laughs> but I'm just, again, man, this 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 is, just turning volume up and down for me is a bit like, oh my yeah. God. Um, but no, if, if if when you're out there, if if, if you want to like, I don't know, maybe we'd have a chat and you could like let us know how you're getting on or you know, yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be amazing. Yeah. Because, God, <laughs> you are you are just, I think, honestly, one of the most interesting people that I know, <laughs> uh, hands down. Because you're, 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 you're just very, yeah, you're just very out there. You're just very doing it. You're very, you're very present. You're very just, if you believe in something, you just seem to go for it. There's no like, there's no yeah. like second thought of it. A, a prime example um when i was going out with rosie oh yeah when we were like 15 or oh, yeah. no, 16, 16 something um we were walking out you know just walking down the road and then you hadn't seen it for ages mm. and then she shouted your name or, or vice versa and you just didn't even check the traffic you didn't even look at anything <laughs> you literally just like belted over to rosie and you were so excited to see it that you just hugged her <laughs> and you both just went bop and just <laughs> oh like, yeah smacked. i remember that <laughs> on abbey road <laughs> You just smacked off the floor because you were so just like, I love you, I'm going to say you hug you. And you didn't have any concept of traffic or, and, and poor Rosie's head. Poor Rosie's head. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, um. that, that, that just like kind of like, for me, uh, epitomizes what, just who you are as a person. You just, very, just, you just, you just do it in it. That's what it yeah. is. And it's, it's very admirable and very beautiful. I think some of that, to bring it back to kind of what we were saying at the beginning, I think some of that actually relates to my growing up in the oh. sense of like, I felt very trapped and I definitely felt that like my options were limited and um, that life could only look a certain way because of what was presented to me and what was expected. Mm. And I found that, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, didn't have a keen sense of like my own desires and also felt like what I would want wouldn't be allowed. Um, And I think 
yeah, I kind of, it's, yeah, it felt very, um, what's the word, like, suffocating. Mm. So, being, have, stepping out of that space to being now, and I just, it, I think I just have this sense of, like, actually, I could have not lived in in a, not in a physical sense, but I could have not lived in, like, a spiritual, emotional sense because I could have been in this very tightly squeezed box going through the motions of, you know, the expectations of the way I grew up. So, yeah, being outside of that now, it just feels like, okay, I got out and I'm alive. And so, like, just do it, <laughs> you know? Because you could have not have. And, yeah, that feels very, like, present and important to me yeah thank you you're welcome <laughs> god <laughs> million tears oh. <laughs> oh, ryan's man. having a moment wow <laughs> i think the sun's on my side today i gotta lease the life i feel okay need to call around get them all out jump in the car and get on the way Cause there's love and the strength in numbers They can try but they're never gonna run us Down, down Speak as loud, it's like we're on a come up Fifth gear but they're never gonna race us Down, down I'm alive on a high blue skies There's nothing better Open, pass around the light Breathe it in and out, bring our gods down Yeah, this is ours for the day and the night Cause there's love and the strength in numbers They can try, but they're never gonna run us Down, down Speak as loud, it's like we're on a come up Fifth gear, but they're never gonna race us Okay.